Mothering can be one of the most joyous, yet overwhelming and exhausting experiences in a woman's life. But there's one thing I know for certain. When we own our stories, we heal. And when we lovingly hold space for another mama's journey, we receive one of the greatest gifts of this life, knowing we are not alone. In this real, honest, and vulnerable conversation with mamas just like you and me, let's laugh and cry together as we lose ourselves and find our way through this wild ride called motherhood. Welcome to the Mama Love Podcast. Hey there, mamas. Welcome to episode two of the Mama Love Podcast. Today, we explore the topics of shame resilience, addictive emotions, and empowering stepmoms creating harmony in the blended modern family. So before we dive in, I just want to announce a little trigger alert. We're going to explore some of the deepest, darkest places that we can go as mothers. And so while in this episode with my special guest, we bring levity and comic relief to some of our most frightening thoughts, but it is so important to know when it's just a thought versus something we would actually take action on. So I feel compelled to say that if you ever feel that you might bring harm to yourself or your child, please reach out to someone you trust and seek professional help. In the show notes, I leave a few resources, maternal mental health resources, uh, womenshealth.gov, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and the Office on Women's Health. So before we begin, I'd love to introduce you to my very special guest, Natalie Savelle. Natalie is a stepmom to an energetic eight-year-old boy and a bio mom to a feisty four-year-old boy and a dog mom to a loving 10-year-old pug mix. She lives outside Baltimore, Maryland and works for herself as a holistic psychotherapist and a coach for stepmoms. Her surprise entry into motherhood came with a quick entry into stepmotherhood as well, and the challenges presented to her provided a whole new level of personal growth work. Having already been certified as a holistic health coach, in addition to her master's in counseling, she was amazed at the new level of challenge she encountered. Her challenges and growth led her to obtaining a certification as a stepfamily coach. She is now obsessed with supporting other stepmoms who find themselves similarly thrown off by their positions in an often complex complex blended family dynamics, helping them to be confident, have clarity, and feel connected regardless of what's happening around them. She offers a variety of services, including a virtual interview series called Empowering Stepmoms, Reimagining the Modern Family. And that interview series covers topics like relationships, health, parenting, stress resilience, and self-confidence. And everything she offers can be found at nataliesavelle.com. Okay, so let's dive into my interview with Natalie. Hey everyone, it's Rochelle, and I want to give a warm, warm welcome to one of my dearest friends, an amazing stepmom empowerment coach and fabulous holistic psychotherapist, my friend Natalie Savelle. Welcome, Nat. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yay! So first, I want to just take a moment to acknowledge you. We became moms, well, we were pregnant around the same time, and you had a baby mm-hmm. six or so months before I had Jacob, and we kind of were in the, in the throes of early mothering together, and one of the things I really, really appreciate about you that I, I didn't know this term then, but I know it now, is um, the importance of having a shame resilience partner 
And I just want to thank you for being that friend for me. And, you know, in those moments of mom rage or like total breakdown, you being the person that would always pick up the phone and console, talk me off the ledge, whatever it was. So I just, I really want to thank you for being that person for me in my life as a mom. I think it's so important for people to have that. Um, And I just acknowledge you and, and thank you so much for being my partner in shame resilience. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, you know, it goes both ways because you also have been that for me and it has been super amazing to have someone that I can call to. And I think that we both allowed each other to be really in those dark moments because we're both there for each other when we do that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people go through all this really difficult stuff and show these really ugly parts of themselves and they don't, and it's like completely hidden. And yeah, there's so much, um, shame in that so it's pretty amazing that we we found that connection and like safety with each other I agree completely I feel so blessed and I I don't know if other moms experience this and I don't actually know if you experience this but a lot of times when I'm super triggered or not in a resource state it's really triggering for my partner so I can't always go to him when I'm in the thick of it and be like la, 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 la. like it's too much right and, right so but I can totally do that with you like I can tell you every yeah. gory detail and you're like you still love me <laughs> somehow I know it's amazing <laughs> I know and it's like a reflection of I always think of it too as like we we're both working on self-love, right? Like that's yeah. our whole mission is to help other people with self-love and that's like our path and it's to continue to come back to that place. So it's like no matter, you know, when we're triggered or the ugly parts come out, because we're all wounded from our childhoods, right? And mm-hmm. like we all have wounding that comes out in different ways when we're triggered by our kids or by our partners or just by life in general. And so, um yeah, it's like a reflection of um, we're still lovable, right? Like, we're still lovable, even though we can be this ugly or we can be this, like, seemingly crazy, you know? And that's, yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, if she can still love me, even in my darkest moment, maybe I can love myself in this dark moment, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I <laughs> I remember so vividly one of my absolute worst parenting moments Um, we had just moved to a new state and Jacob was having a major sleep regression. Like I had just gotten him sleeping through the night and then suddenly we were thrust back into him not sleeping through the night and waking up a ton. And I remember Mm -hmm. calling you and being like, oh my God, please tell me I'm not the worst mom ever because I told Jacob to just go the F back to sleep last night, like at two o'clock in the morning. And, right. And you were like, oh, you're not the worst mom ever. You're like, I actually had a thought that I might like, you know, take a pencil and like ram it into Clay's eye last night because he would do da da da, you know, and like, and, and of course he would never do that. But like, just to, and then I just cracked up, you know, I just laughed because it's like, we all have. We all have our triggers. We all have our really, really weak moments, you know, where it's like, like I can understand someone having like, you know, horrible, horrible thoughts in a moment where they're just like so depleted. 
and so stretched right. and there's no resource left for them. Right. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah. I, you know, my big fantasy was, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you, no, you go. What's your big fantasy? Tell me. Oh, I was going to say my big like rage filled fantasy when Clay wasn't sleeping at night when he was a baby, I remember was, um, that I wanted to like throw him out the window. <laughs> like, take this baby up and throw him out the window. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and again, like, of course you would never do that. And when I hear stories about moms who, like, do you remember maybe a decade ago, there was a mom who had maybe three or five kids and she just drove herself off a bridge mm-hmm. with all the kids in the car. Like she just uh, absolutely... Uh lost her shit, you know? And I think this is why I feel it is so important to have a shame resilience partner because what if that woman had called another mom and said, I literally am thinking about driving off of a bridge. Like I am losing my effing mind. Right. Like, and then, then the other mom could have been like, Oh girl, I know. Like my kids are totally off the wall today. Like she might've been able to be met. And who knows, like, there's probably some level of mental illness there, or like, maybe she needed to see a therapist, right? And that's another conversation that I want to have with you is like, (laughs) as a therapist, and then being a mom, Mm -hmm. and then being a stepmom, like, what have been some of your greatest tools that you provide for clients that you also use yourself? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think part of therapy is shame resilience, too. So people come to me in a safe space, and it's a one-way conversation, so it's not like they hear about my dark stuff, but um, definitely I'm there to validate them in the same way that you and I validate each other and that I work on validating myself, like, Mm. that I'm forgivable and lovable no matter what and that my feelings are valid, right? That's a really important thing. Mm. I think a lot of people stuff their feelings. Um, and so part of our relationship together is a place where we can like get to the root of whatever is bothering us when we are in those spaces of feeling out of control or feeling overwhelmed with our emotions. I know something that you do so well for me that I feel like I do for my clients. And I do this through like journaling too. If I'm really overwhelmed or really emotionally charged, um, and then getting on the phone with you or taking time to sit and meditate and observe myself or journaling, um, I can get to the root of whatever is going on. And then it's not so, I'm not so reactionary and it's not taking over me quite so strongly. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, like a huge thing that I teach my clients is just to let themselves feel. It sounds so basic, but it's like people don't know how to just feel their emotions. They, they look for all sorts of ways to avoid feeling them and then it just makes it worse because then things creep up and come out in ugly ways right so like that woman who you know took her kids what a tragic story absolutely and if she yeah and if she had had a space to talk about her feelings all the way leading up to that point I could almost guarantee that that wouldn't have happened because she would have felt like she was being heard. She would have felt okay. She would have gotten tools. She would have been able to take care of her needs a little bit better. She clearly wasn't um, able to do that or didn't have any tools to take care of her needs. Right. Um, I mean, if someone doesn't even have the awareness that they're that far gone to be able to like check themselves into a hospital, you know, right. Um, 
that just, I mean, to me, I don't know, I don't remember, like, all the details, but to me that just says, like, it speaks to isolation and to uh, not being aware of your needs and feelings, which, yeah, I mean, that's, like, the huge, most major thing that I teach all my clients, both stepmoms and my psychotherapy clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Like, let yeah. yourself feel everything fully. And um, in my in my first interview, I interviewed Livia, and we talked about um, we talked a lot about mother's rage, and we talked about fully feeling mm-hmm. your feelings and and helping them move in a way that isn't destructive, right? So, like, we all have these horrible thoughts, and it's like, okay, how am I going to channel this? emotion so there's one thing sharing about it right like sharing with you or sharing with a therapist and this this feeling of okay now I'm not alone in this now this isn't my deep dark dirty secret now someone else is holding this for me and still loving me and still you know showing me that I'm I'm forgivable and I have and no one's been hurt in the process but for, for you, right. I'm curious, what kind of tools do you give your clients when, when they do feel like, uh, like I'm having these feelings and I also, f- I'm, I'm scared that I could actually do harm. What, what steps do you take or what kind of tools do you give them in those moments? Because I know mm. you, you don't, it's like you're a coach and you work with step moms, but you're also a psychotherapist. So Right. So you probably have some cases that are really intense and I'm not asking you to violate HIPAA laws, but you know, what do you say to those people? How do you empower them with tools that they can use in the moment when they notice they are feeling really intense and, and they could see themselves potentially bringing harm to themselves, their partner, their child. Yeah. Um, well, I, if, depending on how serious the threat is, like if they're literally like, I'm going to hurt someone that I'm like, okay, we need to go to the hospital. Yeah. But um, if they, if they're just like, I'm scared, I'm going to, like, I don't really think I am, but like, I need to make sure that I don't. Mm-hmm. A big thing I tell them to do is make sure that they're in touch with someone else in their lives. So um, we come up with like a plan and we call it a safety plan. I used to also work on a crisis hotline. So mm-hmm. um, we would have people calling their who were really on the brink of like hurting themselves or other people. And um, we would talk them through that. So um, yeah, we always come up with a safety plan. So what are you going to be doing in the next 24 hours? Who's keeping tabs on you? Who can keep tabs on you? Can you make plans with people? Can you make sure you're not alone? Mm -hmm. Maybe not alone with the kids. Like, can you go to your mom's or can you have your sister come over or, you know, whoever is close to them in their lives? Or can you drop the kids off somewhere so that you can take care of yourself and do what you need to do? Um, And even looking at basic things like have you slept enough? Have you eaten enough? Are you eating regularly? How can you make sure you have three meals tomorrow? Um, how can you make sure you get to bed early tonight or is there anyone else who can put the kids to bed or, you know, just all the little things and all the steps, like literally hour by hour, we'll write out a plan of like, what are you going to be doing? What time are you going to go to bed? Um, and the same kind of thing goes, I think, for breaking any kind of, I think, rage and any kind of, um, it's kind of an addictive pattern, just like any other addictive pattern. Um, and it does, it takes a lot of, planning. It takes a lot of holding yourself accountable, making sure that someone else is holding you accountable too, to, um, 
to stay sober, right? Or to stay mm. away from the potential dangers that could set you spinning down into a rabbit hole, whatever your rabbit hole is, whether it's self-harm or, you know, harming others with your words or with your actions or um, whatever it is. So, yeah, does that answer that question? Yeah, that's so interesting. I don't think I've ever made that correlation where rage or any any other emotional pattern, even, even, you know, deep, deep sadness, anxiety, anxiety, Mm -hmm. it's, it is like an addiction. So it's almost like using, Mm -hmm. right. Okay. Like I'm okay. I'm noticing I'm going into this pattern and talking about like the neural pathways. Okay. This has, this pathway has been carved into my brain and now I, I need to create some other diversion that will help me move move through this without going down that same addictive neural pathway. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I noticed. Yeah. I treat all, like I see so much in people's, even if it's like anxiety, it's like an addiction, right? And you're exactly right. It's like, you're going down that path. So how do you like prevent yourself or how do you deter yourself while you're, it might be like, while you're building a stronger muscle in on the other pathway, Mm -hmm. you, you know, it takes time and, and practice and a lot of work to do that. So while you're doing that, you might have setbacks and then what do you do in those setbacks? Um, and as you know, I um, struggled with the binge eating disorder for a long, long time. So I really see the addiction there. And then when I first got into my relationship, I was, um, my dad was a rager and I, I had never seen myself be like that, but um, I saw the rage that my dad used to um, play out in, with my mom and with us play out in my relationship for the first time. And I noticed that the patterns were exactly the same, like the guilt afterwards, the self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a very self-destructive thing, even though I was taking it out on him. Um, it was the same as my binge eating disorder. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do. I think of a lot of um, mental health issues as they're all kind of interconnected in this like way of, addiction the same the same way you would treat addiction you can treat um a lot of other things so yeah yeah that's amazing um I had never thought of it that way before but really fascinating so um I want to come back to something that you said which is in this safety plan that you would create with which, which I think is an amazing idea that you'd create with your clients and you could create this with a, a partner or a friend um, mm-hmm. if, if someone isn't seeing a therapist at that time. But um, you talked about, have you slept enough? Have you eaten enough? And I would say nine times out of 10, when we call each other in a breakdown, it either mm-hmm. comes out, it's like, but I'm so tired, or how are you sleeping? <laughs> and nine times out of 10, we're right. completely a mess because we haven't slept enough. It's... Yep. It's so necessary and so important to get enough rest. And um, I talked about this with Livia too, but when, when you're not, when you're, when you're exhausted, you're not fully resourced. It's like, I can be like the most loving, compassionate, kind, gentle, like, you know, just patient mother. And when I have had, days and days and days and days of interrupted sleep, I have very little left. Like my, 
Mm-hmm. My resources are very, very low. So, um, you know, just even having compassion for ourselves in that way, it's like, okay, oh yeah, I'm just tired. I'm not a horrible person. I'm actually just really tired. Like giving ourselves that, like you said, validation um, or, oh yeah, I'm just hangry. I, I need to get my blood sugar back up. Like this is why I'm being, <laughs> being a rager to my partner right now. Um, so being able to identify sort of those well-being pieces that might be missing in a moment and then identifying when it's, yeah. when it's something bigger. So I, I actually did want to ask you, um, because you are a coach and a therapist, how does someone know when to work with a coach and how does someone know to work with a therapist? What would you say is the that's, distinction there? That's a really good question. I get asked that a lot by people who get in touch with me. And um, I think with therapy, there's usually people are interested in um, getting to the root of the issues that they're seeing play out. And they might not have done a whole lot of self-awareness work in the past. Um, and they're just like, I don't know why I can't stop eating, but I can't. And I've never looked at this before. And it's, I'm ready to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some people work well at Sometimes I think it really depends. The lines are really, um, can be a little bit challenging. I think it really depends on the person and the personality a lot of times. Mm. Um, there's times when people come to me for therapy and I'm like, we're going to do coaching because you, <laughs> you just, your vibe is that you just want something a little bit more directive and you might already have a lot of self-awareness. Maybe they did some work, a lot of work in the past, um, and they just really need like a reminder and some accountability and like some, sometimes some like pushing. Um, and in therapy, the way that I think about therapy work is much more gentle. It's much more, um, it's much more, it's like exploring the emotional territory rather than, um, rather than moving forward and being pushed into action and into, um, into like shifting mindsets and perspectives like that. I I do much more like reflective listening when I do therapy, I do much more um, like let's stay with that feeling much more feelings education. I do some of that with the coaching too, but it's more um, educational and directive versus the therapy. It's much more experiential. Mm. Um, so it, I think it partly depends on the person and what they're looking for and what they're needing and what their personality is, like what they do better with. Um, and then it depends also on how much growth they've done in the past. Um, yeah, so I think those are the major, major differences. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate hearing, yeah. hearing your take. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of the stepmoms that come to me, they wouldn't necessarily go to therapy. Like they don't really feel like they have these deep seated issues. They just need support navigating their current situation. Mm-hmm. So um, therapy might be, not be something that they would be interested in, but they need some like guidance and um, kind of an, uh, uh, kind of yeah, just like some guidance about where to go and how to how to navigate the mm-hmm. com- complexities that they're dealing with mm-hmm. and tools. I imagine because you're tools. someone who's yep. who's been through it, you are living it. <laughs> 
Yeah. And you also yep, have lived sure. through it, right? You've had a stepmom or two in your own yeah, growing up. Life, right? So a stepmom. Yeah, I've had a couple stepmoms and a couple stepdads. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're no stranger to the blended family. So it's interesting that you went on to create a blended family of your own, having right? I mean it's just it's it's yeah. just interesting to notice that. So I'm curious, what would you say is one of the, and let's kind of generalize here because I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but what would you say is one of the best things that a stepmom could do to create a bond with her stepchild, regardless of their age? Um, Well, I think that when... Ideally, at the beginning of a relationship with someone who has kids, the stepmom really, um, I think the best thing she could do is to observe as much as possible and interact as little as possible. Not interact as little as possible, but just like play any role, like as far as being a parental figure goes, as little as possible. Just really observing and taking the time to get to know the dynamics that are already in place mm. before she steps in with any of her own ideas. Mm. Yeah. Which can be very difficult because a lot of stepmoms come in and they, you know, they're dating this single dad and he maybe is having some challenges with that. He's not used to being in a mom and a dad role with his Mm -hmm. kids. And so she sees like all these spaces to fill and she sees all these ways that she can be this supportive helper and she wants to do all the things that she can possibly do to do that. Um, And I just more often than not, this backfires. And in my own step parent experience, I've seen how, um, the one the times that I was getting along with the step parents, it was when they were able to do that like really really well. It was when I liked them the best and we had the best relationship. Um, and then I see all the time step moms who do they take it all on and then they get halfway they get a few months in and they're like completely overwhelmed and mm. confused and in over their heads and they might be battling with stepkids who don't appreciate their input and they are probably you know they might be battling with their partners now who also have like they thought they wanted the help but now it's like more than what they wanted because things are happening that aren't okay with them and um, so I just see that so so often so I really encourage that moms that they are in over their heads and they have gotten to that point to, tar- to start to take a step back and get mm-hmm. on the same page with their partners as far as um, not uh, being as responsible for their stepkids as they first wanted to be and as their partners don't often want them to be mm-hmm. um, I say all the time like happy stepmom is a happy household because if the stepmom is stressed and overwhelmed and resentful, everybody's going to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. And they've already been through a lot. They've already been through a divorce. So it's super important that the stepmom um, coming in as another adult figure is as well balanced and, you know, uh, not stressed out as possible. That's what's best for her and for the entire situation. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we could find a cliche phrase, it would be less is more in this instance, right? So, yeah, be, so be the observer, notice the dynamic, notice what's happening. And I, I might also add in as hard as this might be to do um, without judgment, right? Because the stepmom might come in and mm-hmm. think, 
oh, well, your kid is doing this and this is all wrong and this dynamic is totally, I mean, I think mm-hmm. maybe you had a little bit of that experience, right? I know how I can mm-hmm. make this better. And yeah, and to to hold that and give space and mm-hmm. to yeah. watch and witness before inserting oneself and getting in over one's head and overwhelmed and then not appreciated yeah. and resentful, right? Like there's there's kind of a chain of events that happens emotionally. So I also yeah. love that you said getting on the same page with their partner. So separate from when you're with the kids, talking to the partner about what you see and talking, but in a non-judgmental way and talking to them about what they, what are your needs? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you see me supporting you in your relationship with your child? Um, it, yeah. Has that been your experience that it's, it's better to kind of have those conversations without the kids right yeah, there in the space? Huge. Yeah, that is a major, major thing that the expectations need to be laid out. And I think what happens is the stepmom, before she really feels out what she is or is not willing to do, genuinely willing without expectations of um, the things that you would expect from a biological child. So maybe without the, I, I think of it, I think of the bond and connection of a biological child, that's kind of the reward for the hard stuff. So like you might be doing the really hard stuff with your own kid, but the reward is just like the love and connection that you mm-hmm. have between you. And so it kind of balances out. But with step kids, you don't always get that. You don't always get that automatic connection and bond and love. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you may be working your butt off and and then they go back to their mom's house and everything that you've done is completely erased. So, you know, I think stepmoms really have to feel out like what they are willing, genuinely willing to do without any expectation of, uh, of a reward like that. Like they might not be appreciated. So are they willing to do that without being appreciated? Hmm. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think something that I do with my stepmoms is, um, we look at their expectations and then their partner's expectations of them in the stepmom role so that they can kind of compare like, okay, this is what I would prefer that you did. Um, and if you're, are you willing to do that or not? So for example, um, my partner wishes that I was more involved with homework with his son and I just don't have the energy. Like I don't care about homework. I'm not really, I didn't like it when I was in school and I still don't like it now that I'm an adult and I'm around a kid who's doing it. So I just don't have the energy and patience for that. It's not something I'm really into. I don't know what I'm going to do when my son's at school age. I might have a different motivation. Like I might have the energy for him, but for my stepson, like I don't, I, you know, I spend a lot of time taking care of my own son and I meet their needs in other ways. And homework is not one of the things that I like to do. So I know that Jason, my partner, wishes that I was more involved with the homework stuff. He said that to me. Um, And it's something that I'm working on wanting to do, but it's really not something that I've been super involved in. 
Um, so that was important for us to recognize, like he had that expectation and that was his preference. And to know that like, I wasn't really into that was super important for him to be able to kind of adjust his expectations and know that it's something that I'm working towards. But at this moment, I can't genuinely make an effort to do that because I'm going to end up fighting with my stepkid about it. Like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather him fight that battle, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it is super important to be clear, even if you don't fully agree on everything, you still, it's important to know where your partner is at with everything um, in the blended family dynamic, just so that you know what you're, what to, what to, what to expect really, and not to have these like false, um, false expectations that just leave people angry. Mm. That's great. So then it's navigating that with your partner. It's going, yeah, I really hear that, mm-hmm. that the homework is important for you. And that's something that I'm not willing to do. So I jotted down what you said. Am I genuinely willing to do X without expectation of being appreciated? And this, and this is a boundary for you. You're like, actually, no, I, I get that it's important to you. Right. I, I'm not willing, I'm not genuinely willing to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then you have to create right. something else, right? And but it is great to to go over these expectations with your partner because uh, a mom might be thinking, "Oh, he expects me to always cook every meal and do all of the laundry and you know all of the like regular domestic things." And the partner might be like, "No, it's cool. Like actually, what really makes a difference for me is if we have a family outing every Saturday." Right. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So it's just putting it all on the table. And I think even inside of a, a, a non-blended family, like a bio family, that's, that's still there. You know, we, we all have expectations that sometimes we don't share. And when they go unmet, then that's a recipe for a breakdown. So here's a, here's a way to create harmony inside of your blended family is lay all the expectations on the table. And then maybe a little bit of negotiating mm-hmm. with your partner. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a good point, too, that there are other ways that you can meet their expectations, that you know, that you can search to see, like, oh, am I willing to do that for if that's really important? And, like, yes, I am. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, usually there's some give and take there, so there's some compromising on both ends, right? But it does. Um, and then ultimately, another thing that I see is that when I did have that conversation um, about expectations, he was really like, I want you to do what's comfortable for you. You know, like, what's mm. the most comfortable for you? I don't want you to be upset about what you're doing. That was more important to him than anything else. And I've seen other um, set moms have the same experience where once that conversation was opened up, they saw the partner saw that like, really, they're, they were more worried. Of, they did not want who wants someone to do stuff for their kid who doesn't really want to be doing that stuff? You know, like we don't want people doing stuff for our kids who don't genuinely feel like they care enough and like are willing to do that stuff. That doesn't feel good. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think just opening that conversation is, is really, really helpful. Yeah. Not in front of the kids. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so this, this, Leads me to part two of this question. So I just asked you what was one of the best things a stepmom could do. So when they, they first enter this dynamic, being an observer, inter, not um, interjecting as little as possible, t- taking a step back and, and 
witnessing and then talking to your partner and creating something. Okay, so now what is the worst thing a stepmom could do? So maybe pull from your own experience. I've probably done it. What's a recipe for disaster do? is basically what I'm asking. Yeah, recipe. <laughs> Sure. Um, well, from the, I learned the hard way. I, I really like to learn from experience. So I have to really go the full gamut to, uh, learn my lessons. Um, and the worst thing I think, and I've seen other stepmoms do the exact same thing where they, they come in and I kind of talked about this, but they come in and they see what's missing. And of course me as a therapist and a holistic health coach, I know everything about child raising and I've, you know, I don't know. I just came in with this really kind of self-righteous attitude without even realizing it and really thought that I knew it was best. And, um, that I knew right from wrong when it comes to raising kids or when it came to raising my stepson. And, now looking back, I'm like completely baffled at my attitude because having my own kid now, I see that like I really had like we don't really know until we have our own kids what it's like to be a parent. Hmm. Um, and so making those assumptions that I thought I knew everything just because I had all this education and all this, you know, personal growth experience and I thought I knew what was best. Like, yeah, maybe I did know what was best sometimes, but in that specific dynamic, like I really um, I did. They had their own relationship that had been growing way before I even came into the picture. And um, so even if I knew like what the book said, or um, even if I had a feeling like it still just wasn't my place to be so self-righteous and to be so um, thinking that I knew better. Um, And there's some things that I was really like thought I was doing a good thing by being strict about. And now that I'm a parent myself, I'm like, why did I think that was so important? I'll give you an example. Um, So when I first moved in with my partner, with Jason, I, um, his son was sleeping in the basement in a room. He was three and he was sleeping by himself in the basement and our room was on the first floor. And, um, I had this idea because my parents had done this when I was little, that sleeping in the same bed with your kid past one, or I don't even know, like ever was wrong because my parents had never really done that. They'd never really been open to that. And so, and this kid had just been through a divorce. Like he was three and this sounds so obvious. I know, but for me, it just wasn't at the time. I don't know. Um, and so he was three and he wanted his dad to sleep in his bed with him and he'd just been through a divorce and you know, he, he, that's stressful for a three-year-old. Well, I thought it was like the most wrong thing ever. And I was like, so adamant about him not doing that. I thought he was like hurting him and I thought it was hurting our relationship and I was just like completely against it. And now that I have my own son, I, I just can't even believe that I thought that because he's three, my son's three now. And he, I like, don't even think twice if he's having a nightmare or going through something and he needs a little extra comfort at night. I'm like more than happy. And it's super sweet to like snuggle up in bed with him sometimes. So uh, yeah, that's just a little example of like really thinking that I had it right and having it so completely wrong. And I would have done a lot better to really just observe what their dynamic already was and listen to my partner when he said like, this is what I'm choosing to do as a parent and Mm. not be so adamant that I was right and knew what was best for the situation. 
the quest to be right. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, would you rather get along or would you rather be right? I still have to ask myself this. You still ask me that sometimes. <laughs> well, it's a Byron Katie quote. Would you rather be right or be free? Right. Right. So when yeah. I'm, you know, on my position and I'm right, I'm, and so I want to talk about relinquishing control because this is really what it boils down to. And I know I have, I'm privy Huge. to, yeah. you know, the backstory and, you know, I'm not giving anything away here, but I want you to talk a little bit about your journey of relinquishing control of what that looks like. And that, probably sounds terrifying to some moms especially stepmoms like if okay no like if they're in my house like I'm in control but talk a little bit about what happens when you start to loosen the reins a little bit and and also how to do that yeah so this is like my journey is the letting go of control it's like it shows up everywhere it shows up in my business in my relationship in my parenting um I think something that my stepson the child my stepson's also as you know Rochelle he's pretty um high energy and can tend to be um uh rebellious I love him so much like he's such an awesome kid he has so many strengths and amazing qualities but it took me a long time to get to the point where I genuinely felt that way um and now I do which is amazing um but um he definitely I mean and all kids have a certain need to be in control um and to have power and to feel powerful they're like little beings walking around the world like not really in control of all that much and they have that need it's like a human need to feel control and feel like you're in power so um especially some more strong-willed ones um they are even more adamant about wanting control and power and especially kids who've been through divorce with this super out of control thing happening that they're just observing and it's happening around them they have no power or say in at all and everything changes in their world um they have an even stronger need to grasp onto anything that feels like some kind of control um so and something that i've so something that i've learned from my stepmotherhood journey especially um is that parenting is not about controlling our kids. Like that is not what it's about. We are here to be like guides for them and we're here to be support to them. And we're here to, of course, set limits and to take care of them so that they know how to set limits for themselves. Um, But it's not about controlling them or having power over them. And I think that's a huge misconception misconception that a lot of us were parented from, from our parents in a place that was all about power and control. Mm. Um, So they call it like authoritative parenting out in the parenting world. Um, So, yeah, I think when I'm able to let go, to really recognize that in a moment, I just, it's like loosening the grip a little bit. And then my stepson and I say so, even, and with my son too, it's like we stay so much more connected Um, and, you know, things go so much smoother. So I'll give an example it's like when I'm in the need to be in control, I, everything has to go my way and um, the kids have to listen on the first time that I say something and I can't give an inch of that or I feel out of control and everything's going to explode and it's not okay. It's like total, total emergency and I can easily spin out into like a fit. So um, one really great example of this is when I took my the kids to this, um, swimming hole and we were about to leave 
we were getting ready to leave. And I said, okay, guys, it's time to go. Like, pack up your stuff. You get two more jumps off the rock. My stepson was jumping off a rock. And um, he was having, like, a total blast. And so he did the two times. And then, and then he gets up a third time, and he looks at me, like, in this threatening way, like, what are you going to do, you know? <laughs> And I'm like, and I just sit there and I watch him and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can either start a really big fight right now or I can let him have one more jump off this rock, you know, and he's saying, I'm going to do one more. And he's kind of like, what's she going to do? Is she going to fight me? And so then, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to fight him. It's not worth it. Like, it's not worth having this one moment of this control over this one activity um, to start this whole big fight. So I step back and I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. And so he jumps one more time and then he comes off of the, out of the water and we go to the car, like no problem. Um, And that was just one little example of me letting go of the need to control, like exactly how that moment went and exactly how he was going to listen and being like, you know what? It's not a huge deal. If he takes one more jump off that rock, it doesn't mean our relationship's destroyed forever and he's never going to listen to me again. And the world is going to crumble at our feet. Right. So I think, um, Yeah, first, like, acknowledging that need, I think, is super, super important and, like, building awareness around that. But literally, when I, there's moments that it triggers me that I think the world will fall apart or that, you know, the kids will become drug addicts if I don't assert my control and power in that moment. And so when I can step back and see that that's my tendency to spin into that um, emergency mode, I can say, okay, I'm instead going to take a deep breath now and walk away from the situation and notice that I'm being triggered and then, and know that it's not really an emergency, like no one's getting hurt, nothing, no one's being lit on fire. Um, And knowing that I'm a leader, like I, I often, one of my mantras is like, I'm a leader. I'm not like a dictator, right? So (laughs) Mm -hmm. how can I be a powerful leader in this, in this dynamic of parenthood um, and not a dictator? And I think good leadership involves like respect and like teaching in a, in a loving, respectful, supportive way, not like dictating for the sake of being in power and controlling your kids. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that example. And I love how you pulled back the curtain a little bit on how we can sometimes project way into the future. What's happening in this moment is going to lead to, right? I can see 18 years down the road and we catastrophize, right? And okay, no, let's just come back to this moment. In this moment, him jumping off the rock one more time doesn't hurt anything. But having a big... Mm -hmm knock down drag out fight with my stepson would probably be way more damaging in this moment than to just right. let it go and let him have one more jump right <laughs> yeah it is really easy to catastrophize right it's like if we don't have control then they're not going to be able to control themselves and they're gonna you know yeah because they're gonna get kicked out of school because they don't know how to listen they're to gonna get kicked out of school right right yeah and yeah. and part of individuation is testing those boundaries it's like how far can how far can I go how far can I go how many times can I I poke the bear before it growls at me um and I love that you said uh you know being a leader versus being a dictator so you know one definition of leadership is empowering other leaders so how can I 
empower my kids to learn what's right for them, right? Like take, take yeah. leadership in their own life, have some autonomy while also guiding, supporting and setting limits so, to keep them safe. Um, right. Those are, those are really wonderful frames. Um, so I know we're, we're reaching yeah. the end of our time, but I would love for you to talk a little bit about your empowering stepmoms video summit. And I know, uh, you have some really big name folks <laughs> who've already said yes and some really big name maybe. So I'd love for you to share first, what's your intention for the, the summit for stepmoms? And then also maybe just share a, a couple of the people you're really excited to interview and share their wisdom with stepmoms. Sure. Thanks so much for, um, for asking. I'm excited to be able to share on here about that. Um, so I'm doing a, it's a online video series. It's titled empowering stepmoms, reimagining the modern family. And I really, my intention is to create a platform for stepmom challenges and to create a platform for stepmoms to come to where they can feel like they're heard and where they're given tools and encouragement and inspiration. Um, we see a lot out there for moms. There's a lot about like supporting moms and empowering moms, but there's really very few resources for stepmoms and very few platforms and places where they can come and have a conversation and hear other people talking about it. So my intention is to offer that and I'm super excited. It's going to be so fun. I'm going to have experts come in and talk about all the different areas that I see stepmoms are challenged by, including parenting and child development, relationship health, um, building resilience to stress, um, and um, self-confidence. So um, people just talking about like women's empowerment um, and I'm super excited about Dr. Laura Markham. She's one of the leaders in the positive parenting movement um, that's kind of based um, on attachment parenting and someone that has really supported me in my challenges, especially as a stepmom. Um, I did a course with her and I've been following her for a long time. So I'll be interviewing her, which I'm super psyched about. She has a great, um, great take on step parenting and really awesome resources for that. You can check her out at ahaparenting.com, I believe is her um, website. I'm also really excited about Dr. Sue Johnson, who's coming on. She's the founder of Emotion Focused Couples Therapy, which really talks about how to tune into your emotions and how to convey, communicate that to your partner and how effective that can be in resolving conflicts and in understanding each other and getting on the same page. Um, and I think this is super important because I really see the couple as the foundation for the blended family. Mm. And I don't think we're taught how to be healthy in our relationships in this culture. And most of us are not taught by our parents either. So I think that a lot of the work that I do is um, teaching healthy relationship skills. So I'm really excited to have Dr. Sue Johnson on there. I'll also have a couple other relationship experts. Um, hopefully I'm getting someone to represent Amago Relationship Theory, which is another one. Um, and who else am I super excited about? I have a couple awesome stepmom coaches, one of whom I've worked with. Her name is Jenna Korf. She'll also be on there. 
Um, oh, and I'm interviewing Ellie Knott, who is a podcast. Um, of, she does a mom podcast called Atomic Moms. She's really great and also has a lot of positive parenting people on her podcast. So she'll be on the interview series. And there's a lot more. Uh, it, it's going to be really fun. There's a lot of really great people. So some people that people may not have heard of, but they, um, they're really uh, super wise and they're going to be offering their best tips and their best perspectives of blended family life from the angle of whatever their expertise is. So it should be really fun and informative. Awesome. I'm excited for you. And Thank you for being... And Rochelle Henry is going to be on uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best coaches that I know. She's, oh. I, your coaching is so amazing, Rochelle. So I was telling Rochelle, um, she belongs on, alongside those those people that we tend to like put up on a pedestal a little bit. She's right there with them because her skills are are just as valuable and just as needed and helpful to people as, as theirs are. So, yeah. I'm Thank you. To have you on there too. Thank you. Nat. I know I've said at least three times, like, uh, uh are you sure you want me on there? <laughs> <I don't... laughs> okay. I'm happy to do it. Um, no, it'll be a lot of yeah, fun. Of and, and I also really hear one, you're, you're a stepmom and you want to share the tools and the resources that have been most empowered for you. And I also hear that there's a real need out there. There, there isn't a whole lot out there for stepmoms. So you're just, you're creating this container for them to feel really held and supported. And I just really acknowledge you for seeing the need and then filling it. Thank I know you. so many yeah. people are going to be served by it. And, you know, and yet again, just thank you for being an amazing friend. Um, I would, I would love to know, um, I know this, this term shame resilience partner came from Brene Brown from her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. And I would love to hear from you, maybe like one or two things that you could sh share with someone and, you know, someone who maybe isn't ready to see a therapist or a coach, but they just want to create a shame resilience partner in their life. What's like one or two tips that you could give them for, um, inviting that into their life or inviting someone that they know another mom into that role? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think it has, to, I mean, it definitely helps to have it be someone that you feel really safe with. So maybe they've caught you in a vulnerable moment and you've seen that they've responded non-judgmentally and with compassion and, or maybe you've seen them in a vulnerable moment mm. and you've seen their need for compassion and you've been able to be there for them. Um, I think the non-judgmental aspect is that is key. So people who respond in a supportive, loving way, regardless of how bad it might be, where maybe everyone else would be like, you did what? That person's like, okay, that's cool. Like, yep, we all mess up sometimes. Um, yeah. Anyone who you feel safe with and who feels like they could handle anything coming from you. Mm. Those are things to look out for. Someone you yeah. feel safe to be vulnerable with and they've, shown that they feel safe to be vulnerable with you so it's this reciprocal yeah 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 beautiful well I'm so okay. grateful to have that with you my dear and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today on the podcast and I can't wait to 
um, dive into the Empowering Stepmom Summit and share it with everybody. So thank you so much. Yay. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you for your friendship, too. And thanks for doing this podcast. This is so awesome for so many people. I'm sure it's going to be really a great resource. Yay. I hope so, too. All right. I love you, Nat. Talk to you soon. All right. Love you. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, mamas, thanks so much for having a listen to my interview with Natalie Savelle. You could tell that it was just a big love fest. We love each other so much. Um, And I want to give a little backstory. Just recently, I reached out to Natalie and employed her as my shame resilience partner because I was really beating myself up for not getting this episode out quick enough. Um, We recorded this probably eight months ago. And my little guy Noah is already six months old at the time of this recording. And I was just feeling totally crappy and like a bad friend for not sharing her with the world sooner. And she just loved me up. And it was just so refreshing to have another person reflect to me, the compassion that I was so needing to give to myself. So if you take anything away (laughs) from this interview today, I hope you will go out and ASAP identify that shame resilience partner in your life. Um, I also just want to thank you for your generosity. You could be doing anything with your time and with your energy and that you took the time to listen to this. It means the world to me. I hope it made a difference for you. And if you can think of another mom in your life who really needs to hear this message or is feeling a little disconnected, please share this podcast with her. This is a heart project. It's here to share and spread love, self-love, compassion, and just think of someone in your life who could benefit from having a little more of that. So if you feel compelled, also leave a review on iTunes and that'll help other moms find us too. All right. Until next time, I'm sending you so much mama love.